Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Good morning. I am so glad that you have joined us today because we have a few special guests that are going to talk to us about a new ministry that is coming to Knoxville. May is National Foster Care Awareness Month, and we want to bring some awareness to this ministry that has been established in other parts of Tennessee, as well as even in other states. But today we're going to hear from Rhonda Paulson. She's the founder and director of Isaiah 117 House. We will also hear from Ashley Croft, who has become a community champion here in Knoxville to help bring Isaiah 117 House to our county and serve the kids right here. I am so excited to see what God is going to do in and through each and every one of us as He speaks to us during our time of hearing their story. Would you join me now on my call with Rhonda? Good morning, Rhonda. How are you? Good morning. uh, How are you? I'm doing well. I hear you're at the beach. I am at the beach, yeah. And you're the first person I've talked to this morning, so... Should have warmed up the pipes a little bit. Everybody else is still asleep. (laughs) That's all right. I'm doing the same thing you are. Don't worry. Where'd you guys end up going? We came to Hilton Head. It's where our family always comes. And okay, you know we we thought we'll go and we'll sit in a house or we'll sit in a house here and we'll go to the grocery store in our mask there or we'll go in the grocery store with our mask here. And that's what we've done. And we've been on the beach with literally nobody. And yeah, we just needed a change of scenery. My three-year-old, my five-year-old were losing it. They were were over it. Yeah, I understand that. We've got four ourselves. Two of them we've adopted through foster care. Um, So obviously that's a little bit of what's ignited our passion that we share with our church. And so I'm actually going to record today um, you sharing because we had scheduled you to come on April 5th. Um, right as all this craziness was beginning. Um, and I know I'm working with Ashley and Jennifer and, and hoping that they can still have their luncheon in the fall. Um, but to really get it kicked off here in Knox County. So, um, I'd love for you just to kind of share a little bit about just how this whole journey started, um, and what it's, what it's led to and, and just all the ins and outs. I've heard you share it before, but I'm excited about our church hearing it as well. Well, first of all, thank you for this opportunity because we have learned as we go into different communities, getting in front of God's people is the most important step for us because it's not that the church doesn't care. I've come to understand this. It's not they don't care. They really don't know. They don't have a grasp. They don't understand um, the foster care system, what goes on in the life of that child, the day of removal how hard these caseworkers are working, um, what it's like to say yes to a child on that first day, you know? And so just trying to open the eyes of God's people um, because we have a crisis on our hands. And so that we love this opportunity. So thank you for that. Um, And if I get long winded, maybe we should have come up with like a sign initially like maybe if you like like okay we're gonna wrap that question up okay because I can talk all day but basically Isaiah 117 house um, really it's been a journey Um, it started in 2014 when we took our classes to become foster parents and that was the first time I feel like my eyes were opened to removal day 
I was a high school teacher for years and I knew of children being removed, but in my mind, that was a day to be celebrated. Like the child's going to be safe. The child's going to get a meal. The child's going to get a bath. They're going to go to school every day next week. Yay. Removal day, you know, and then sitting in that class, uh, we were actually sitting in a DCS office. We were in a conference room, um, no color state issued furniture, very, no windows. We're sitting in this conference room and the gentleman leading the class said, when a child is removed from their home, they come here. And I just remember looking around that room and I thought, why would you ever bring a child here? Like surely he's confused. And so I raised my hand and I said, sir, I'm sorry, but when you say a child comes here, like what do you really mean? And he said, a little girl slept on this floor last night. And just the realization that currently no one's fault, no one's intention, but currently our system, everything about that day sends a message to that child. They've done something wrong. Leave your home, leave your stuff and sit here in this office till we figure out what we're going to do with you and how lonely that must feel and how scary and how confusing. And it really hit me in that moment. That child thinks this is their fault. Like they feel guilty. Like, what did I do wrong? And just this overwhelming feeling of, I have to tell them they've done nothing wrong. Like I, and I remember I was sitting there and I was crying and I, I heard God say, these are my children. What are you going to do? And in 2014, I had no idea what that could possibly be. And so we finished our classes. And then in 2015, we got our first placement and for me, that was realizing removal day from the eyes of a foster parent. You know, we need good foster parents. We need them to say yes, but it's almost impossible. I don't even know other than the Lord, what made me say yes that day. I mean, we had a 12 year old and a nine year old. We had zero baby in our house. I mean, like no, nothing left from nine years earlier. And they called and said there was a nine month old little boy that needed a home. And I remember we drove around to the back of the DCS office and when they opened the door, there was this fiery redhead, fair skinned, chubbiest nine month old I'd ever seen. Um, and he had a borrowed outfit on because the outfit he had on was so filthy. They had to throw it away. And he had a roach infested diaper bag and that's all he had in the world. And so the realization that we just said, yes, and we have nothing. And I remember our small group Bible study rallied around us. I'd made one phone call and said, we've had a call, pray. And she prayed and then she got on the phone. And by the time we got home, someone was setting up a crib in our bed, in our guest room. They brought a high chair. They brought formula. They brought diapers. They brought baby wash. They brought a pink bathtub. I remember it was a little boy. And she just kept saying, I'm so sorry. I said, um, but this is all I had. And um, the way our community rallied around us that day, and I remember thinking, if Isaiah's mom had this kind of community, I wouldn't have Isaiah. And so how can we do that for all foster parents? How can they feel that in that moment that they're not alone and that everything will be okay and we're going to help you get through this? And, and then living the journey from 2015 to 2017 with Isaiah and being in the DCS office every Friday morning at 10 a.m. for visitation with his mother and getting to know the receptionist Darlene and getting to know my caseworkers and realizing they're there till midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. with a child in a cubicle. 
there was a child there that was, that was in our office for five days, an autistic little boy, a little boy with a diagnosis of autism whose father had passed away and he had no one. And he was in an office for five days, fluorescent lights, phones ringing, no, nothing he knew. And the heartbreak of all of that for the child, for the caseworker, for that future foster parent, um, it all kind of culminated in January of 2017, which I always say God is funny because that's 117 and I did not plan to start Isaiah 117 and 117. But um, I remember I just finally said to God, I don't know what you want me to do, but I'll do it. And he literally took over. And that was the beginning of Isaiah 117 house in a coffee shop in Elizabeth Tennessee in January of 2017. I am so grateful that Rhonda was willing to share that with us today. Wow. Even while she's at the beach with her family, which is where I kind of wish I was right now, makes me want to pack up and head to Hilton Head myself. But I want to share with you a short video that will give you some more details and information on what exactly this house is that she is talking about. Watch this video with me now and let's come back and talk to the folks locally. I'm Rhonda Paulson, the founder and executive director of Isaiah 117 House. But the current system is when a child is removed from their home, um, a lot of times they're not allowed to bring anything with them. And if they do, it's in a black trash bag. And so they take their black trash bag and they go to the Department of Children's Services and they sit and they wait. If there's an Isaiah 117 house present, that can look very different. That day looks very different because the caseworker will remove that child and then they get to come to an Isaiah 117 house. And immediately that child is met with love, um, with safety. Um, that child is, it enters into a fun home with lots of color and a fully stocked bathroom and a fully stocked kitchen and a place set out back. In 2014, sitting in that conference room where a little girl had spent the night, I heard God say, these are my children, what are you going to do? I had no idea what that meant. And then we brought Isaiah home in 2015, and those two years, 2015 to 2017, I just kept hearing it. These are my children, and we feel These are my children, they deserve better. These are my children, I think it's their fault. What are you going to do? And all that while I started seeing this house and the house always had a red door and when we finally found our first Isaiah 170 house to purchase it had a red door and so that was confirmation for me that God knew all along for the first Isaiah 170 house. So it was kind of crazy when we started researching and found out that there isn't anything like this in the state of Tennessee or any surrounding states. And so as we travel the state and tell more people about Isaiah 117 House, they just say, how do I get one? If you see this video and you're becoming aware for the first time what these children are walking through and you think, I want this for our community reach out to us. I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. Go to the website, Isaiah117house.com. You can hit contact and that will come straight to us. 
You can reach out to us on Facebook, uh, through Instagram. We would love to come help the children of your community. How powerful it is to take one of the most traumatic experiences a child can have and rewrite that narrative to infuse hope and remind them that it's not their fault and that they're not alone. That's what I'm going to remind myself of is that God's not alone with us during this time. And this is God's redemptive work. I want to read the verse that they use is Isaiah 117. Let's read this together. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Wow. There are so many other verses like this one where God reminds us to take care of those on the fringes who can't even stand for themselves. Well, James renews this as our noble cause and display of our faith in the New Testament. He says in James 1, 27, this, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now I want you to join me and Ashley Croft, who is helping bring Isaiah 117 House here to Knoxville. Let's join us. Let's join her now on this Zoom call together. So I'm excited, uh, Ashley, to be able to hear from you, especially about how God has directed you uh, to be a part of Isaiah House here locally in Knox County. Um, so just share with us a little bit, share with our church and our community, just how kind of God has brought you to this process. Um, and then a little bit more about the heart and vision for Isaiah House here in Knox County and, and maybe how it's different than other locations. Okay, absolutely. Um, thank you for having me, first of all. I'm really glad to be here. Um, and I, uh, I kind of always just start my story with um, uh, a story about a bowl of chili. <laughs> Um, in the fall of 2018, uh, I had made some chili and then I think the next night I had leftovers and, uh, my husband Nate had to work late. So I was trying to find someone to just come over and, and share chili with me, like people at work or my mom. And, um, I think I asked three different people to come over and, um, everyone was busy. And by the third, you know, time someone declined, I felt like maybe, uh, you know, I was like, well, Lord, maybe you just want to get me alone. So I just kind of reheated my little bowl of chili and sat down at the table. Um, and, you know, for just a very brief moment, I felt um, almost like I'd seen a glimpse of Jesus sitting there at the table with me. And um, the look in his face, uh, the look in his eyes um, spoke to me uh, in, in just such a deep way. It was something that um, I will always remember it for the rest of my life because uh, the look in his eyes was just that I was, I was loved and that I belonged in the family of God. Um, and you know, that is really, I think what compels all of us into ministry. Um, I actually, uh, saved a quote from Jason Johnson's new book, Reframing Foster Care, uh, because it kind of goes along with that same idea. Um, he said, it's this gospel that calls and compels us to stand for these kids exactly where Jesus has stood for us, to physically do for them what he has spiritually done for us. It invites us to lean into the broken, not away from it, and to point to him as the hero in all of this. Um, and so around the fall of 2018 is when I really just kind of um, felt this deep desire uh, to, to lean into this, this question I've had about like, how do I help these children? 
specifically in foster care, specifically in my own, you know, my own Knox County. Um, and so I ended up applying to volunteer at the Department of Children's Services office. Um, I just walked in and said, I would like to sit with children while they wait um, to be placed uh, in homes because I don't know how, I guess I, I looked a little bit, you know, I, there's just a tiny bit of information online and I realized that the children have to sit and wait in an office. Um, and I thought, you know, what a, a scary time for them. Um, their whole world has kind of come crashing down. And I thought, well, if someone was there just to read with them or sit with them and be a, a source of comfort, that was kind of just this, I don't know, it was just something that I, I thought I would, I would like to try. Um, so I applied in the fall of 2018 and then some policy changes were kind of rolling through the state of Tennessee. Um, so everyone's volunteer applications got put on hold. Um, and so in about, I would say late spring of 2019, um, my husband Nate saw something about Isaiah 117 house on Facebook. And it might've been Carter County, which is where it started or one of the other counties that has been growing like Knox County. Uh, but Nate just sent me the post and said, hey, this looks like right up your alley, it looks like what you've been looking for. So of course, kind of dove into all the videos and uh, posts and just realized, oh my goodness, someone is going to do something really big to help these children. And um, the idea is that uh, there's gonna be, instead of volunteers in um, various department of children's services offices, there's a home uh, where there are volunteers that are trained, um, but they are there for the sole purpose of helping these children feel like they are not alone. And um, just giving them a, a place of comfort and rest so that um, the day that they are removed from their homes, there is less trauma on the child because um, it's not a scary place. It's not an office. It's a, it's a home with um, snuggly blankets and books and, you know, brownie mix and, you know, slime kits and Legos and a basketball hoop outside. So um, I saw all that and I was like, I have got to get involved with this. So um, I think it took me a few weeks or months um, to really just realize I needed to reach out. So I, I ended up emailing Rhonda, um, our founder, and I just kind of shared my heart and said, you know, how do we get this in Knox County? Um, so she emailed me, but she included in her email another young lady, uh, Jennifer Rodriguez, who is um, my co-leader in the Knox County Initiative. Um, she said that we had both reached out to her and uh, we wanted to know how we could bring this to Knox County. So she invited both of us um, to come together and uh, you know, see the house, the original house that opened in Carter County, Tennessee, um, and, you know, hear the story, and she took us around the whole home, and we got to see um, the girls' room, and, you know, there's like three beds in there, and then there was a boys' room, and it had been uh, decorated by the firefighters who, you know, helped demo the house and get it ready for um, a construction company to come in, uh, contractors to come in and, you know, rebuild it. So there was a lot of wonderful stories around the home. Um, but most of all, like when I walked in, I just felt a sense of peace and I felt a sense of, of comfort. And I was like, this is exactly what we need. Um, so that's kind of, kind of my story as far as how I got involved. And um, I think that's, <laughs> I have to say about that question. So. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, what's really funny is that I feel like it was a divine reconnection um, for me to run into you and Nate at um, at the CAFCAM conference just a year ago. Yeah, and to to just see because I you know I grew up with Nate as a teenager in high school, <laughs> um, but 
yeah, it's, it was really neat just to be able to see how God kind of brings some of those pieces back together and uh, to see how God's even leading you guys in this time. Um, and I, I was, I was like trying to figure out, I was like, so what are you guys doing here? Are y'all, are you wanting to foster? And we're like, well, we're wanting to support, you know, those that are fostering. And I didn't even know what God was doing yet in your lives. And I don't know how much you guys knew at that time. Exactly. Yes. Um, but I love to see how it's, how it's kind of come full circle. And that book you recommended, um, I'll have to, I'll have to find Candy's copy and hold it up. Um, but she's been on a Facebook, um, a Facebook group where he's actually, the author is actually walking through chapter by chapter, kind of jumping around a little bit. And, um, it's been really neat. I got to, I got to kind of sit in on last night's when she was watching that. And, um, it's just so powerful because we, there's so many scriptures that we read that must have applied to the Israelites in the old Testament. Yeah, there it is. Woo! Reframing foster care by Jason Johnson. So if anybody's watching right now, you want to add that to your Amazon uh, wish list, grab it. Because um, reframing foster care, really what it does, correct me if I'm wrong, but it takes scripture and helps us understand how does, how does the scripture apply in our current context to responding to the widows and orphans, and particularly this one, the orphans. And we have, for me, foster care is systemic orphans in our nation. Um, and it is such a huge need. And especially in our area, everybody has probably heard me beat it with a, um, beat it like a dead horse in our church because of the opiate crisis, the drug addiction issues we have in our community. Um, the ripples and the waves are children and families that are impacted. Um, and I'm just so encouraged by people like you and Jennifer who are saying we need a better way to help support the kids as they're coming in to this systemic, you know, orphanage. Yes. Um, that are going through trauma and uh, it's just, yeah, we've, we've been able to see a little bit of it firsthand with what we've done, but man, I'm so excited to know that kids aren't going to be sitting in a sterile office environment with little to no toys, no comfort um, that reminds them of any place that there's hope um, until, until, you know, Isaiah 117 house um, can change that narrative for them. And so this is so exciting for me. Absolutely. And the thing I love about these homes is that it, it really does change the way foster care begins in each child's narrative. Um, everything about an office tells a child that what they've done is wrong, that everything that's happening to them is somehow their fault. Um, and it's not. Everything they've been through is not anything that they've brought upon themselves. It's, it's um, sadly um, from, you know, the abuse or neglect of people who are not taking care of them as, as yeah. they should. Um, and so I love the idea that if we can change the way it begins for them, imagine how we could change the trajectory of their lives. Um, we could change the statistics about how many children end up in, um, you know, jails, prisons, and homeless, uh, because that statistic is staggering. Yeah, yeah, it sure is. That's, it's so true. So, I mean, this investment, um, it's, it's a long-term, it, it has ramifications in so many other areas of, of our, of our city, uh, of our nation. And, um, yeah, we want to change that story for them from the very beginning. That's so good. So tell me a little bit about, I know right now, Rhonda had mentioned that raising awareness is huge. Yes. Yes. Uh, raising awareness for the house here. Um, and then what are you hoping to see kind of continue to happen, even with quarantine and COVID and all that that's happening? It's probably put a lot of things on pause, but I think it's a great time to kind of still reevaluate when we can move forward in that direction. Absolutely. Yes. Before, um, 
everything kind of shut down, we, uh, we had a, our calendars full of um, speaking engagements and chances to just get in front of groups and churches uh, to tell the story because really that's all we do. We, we just go and we tell the story of what God has done in the houses that are open and what God is doing in the counties that are also trying to join in this initiative. Um, because when people hear what it's like for these children um, on the day they're removed and they realize that there is, is, there is an immediate need that we as a community can meet, even if people are not called to foster or adopt, they can still be part of this. And I feel like this home gives um, kind of a beautiful variety of things that people can do because there's a place for everyone in the care of the fatherless. And, um, you know, just whether you are a volunteer in the home or you are someone who wants to support financially or through prayer. Um, and so the first step for us in Knox County is awareness. It is um, letting us come speak to your, you know, your church or your small group or your club, um, your business, and just letting us tell the story. And we, we get to hear Ron what else can um i i don't think i've ever not cried when she talks because it is amazing to see what god's done she never expected this to grow she never expected it to go beyond one house but the thing is i believe this is more than just rhonda's story and more than my story it's god's and he has a heart for these children um so we um we definitely need the awareness and that's something everyone can do even now um i know it seems sometimes silly to say um or to hear but Every share on Facebook actually does make a difference. Every repost and every just um, anytime someone can point people to us and invite them to like our page or, you know, watch a short video or just, you know, find a little bit about the ministry. Um, it really does make a difference. And um, I think that the more people in Knox County that can know about this, the more um, they will realize that this is something that we cannot do on our own. Um, Jennifer and I both work full time. We, um, you know, we said yes to this because we we want um, we want to see Knox County rise up to meet the need. Um, and so, you know, we're just we've been um, meeting monthly to like have people come and listen to you know our needs, and they get together in, in groups, and they you know they've been part of little committees like. We have a committee helping us look for land, which by the way, we're still looking for land um, and praying for land. So that's something um, for sure on our local needs list. Um, we have a committee of people helping us plan luncheons and things like that. So, um, and then when everything got shut down, we had to move our meetings to online, which I think has been good because people who maybe who couldn't physically make it to meetings in the past have been able to watch online. Um, but, you know, of course, once, um, once we're able to meet back at the empty cup, uh, we will. That's great. Yeah, I saw the empty cup is uh, put a drive-through in. Yes. Oh, that's going to be so great for them. Yeah. I love. I love their um, white chocolate sugar-free latte. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's such a great resource in our community. I love that there's some businesses like the Empty Cup that. Um, they they have a, a mission beyond just revenue as a business, but it's to give back. And their specifically is foster care, yes. um, which is yeah, so good. They, they um, are a nonprofit and they raise funds to fund people's adoptions. So every time yeah. they um, reach a certain amount and they can fund an adoption, they, um, they, I think there's a grant process and they choose a, a grant and they fund an entire adoption, which I think is wonderful. That's really neat. Yeah, you knew more about that than I did. That's so awesome. <laughs> well, one of the things that I'm excited about, like I'm, I'm wearing my t-shirt today. 
Yeah, yeah, my bracelet on, right? There's some, there's some things in, like you said, sharing on Facebook. And, and after we have our service today, when this um, is on Sunday, and I'm going to share uh, that afternoon, I'm going to share the returning the favor um, oh, episode. Oh, that's so fun to watch. We watched it with our kids. Yeah. I, all of us were crying. Like we're yeah. all bawling. Um, but it's about 30 minutes long. So I want people to have some time to really sit down and watch that. But it is so good. Um, and I think people will want to be buying a t-shirt, wearing the bracelets and, and just spreading awareness. Um, and one of the things that I'm asking of our folks, we're going to take up a special time of giving today uh, during our service. And then again, I believe before the luncheon, whenever it finally is able to be scheduled and hard and fast happening. Um, but we want to be a, a sponsor behind that. And that's something near and dear to our heart because we believe um, in rewriting the story of, of how these kids enter into a traumatic time in their life and how we can, we can truly provide hope. Um, man, I hope to be a volunteer. I hope to, oh, I hope to be a part of it any way I can. Along yes, I know. I would love to, I could just see um, myself sitting in that home, like your wife Candy and like holding babies and, you know, sitting next to the teenagers and whatever. So, um, but yes, absolutely. Um, that is something I, I kind of had on my little list here of local needs was just to kind of start putting that bug in people's ears. Um, we are looking at hopefully September 22nd as our luncheon. Um, and, you know, until we're waiting a little bit um, to make it official with invitations and things like that, but just to kind of look forward to that and prayerfully consider, you know, um, who could you invite? Um, how could you maybe live a little sacri sacrificially now to be ready to come expecting to give? Like I'm thinking, <laughs> I just mentioned lattes, but if I, you know, didn't have a latte every day or every week or however, you know, I haven't been having that many, but <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee at home. But instead of having a latte, I could put that $5 in a jar and then, you know, be ready to give sacrificially um, around that time, because that's going to be our, our kind of our big push as far as, um, you know, raising enough funds to open doors. We will not open doors until we are fully funded for the first year's budget and we have a property that is debt free. So that is, um, you know, one of the challenges in a place like Knox County that's bigger than some of the smaller places that have opened homes. Um, so once again, that's a thing that you all can pray for. Awesome. That's so great. And uh, I think some of our folks may even want to get t-shirts. I don't know how we can do that during all this yeah. craziness, but uh, I have them in a tote in my trunk. So I'm willing to drive anywhere all over Knox okay. County. Um, and I would, I will deliver, we can do, you know, what is it? The COVID like uh, gloves and mask if you yeah. prefer, or, you know, drop them off on your porch. Um, they can also order online. Um, but okay. I, if you don't want to worry about shipping, just contact me. Um, and, uh, they can find me through Facebook. Um, they can write us directly on the Isaiah 117 Knox County page, um, or they can email me at ashley at isaiah117house.com. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I think that'll be great. I think, I think we're going to have a lot of uh, people that are really interested in, in finding out more and raising some awareness. I think this will be great. Wonderful. But, uh, That's man, well, we're going to be praying for that luncheon. Be praying that God really is able to just continue to open up the doors to that. I'm, I'm even seeing some people that are getting their stimulus funds and saying, you know what, I, I don't need this right now. I'm still working. And they're completely giving it back away. They're giving yeah. it to, to nonprofits and ministries and churches. And um, so I hope you begin to see some of that as well. We have begun to see some of that and it's been just an overwhelming blessing. Yeah. 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 Our community is very, um, I, 
the, we're the volunteer community. People have such okay. a tender heart towards, and I believe the Lord even has, has put such a spirit in, in this city um, to really, to do something well and to do it right. And I think the way we serve our kids, we can, we can do it even better, you know, and yes. we're being challenged to do that. But actually any, any final words or any final thoughts that you could share with us? Uh, let's see. Um, uh, we are, um, you know, we don't have a location yet. Um, and you know, I think that once we find property, things will move a lot faster and a lot different than they do now. But that does not mean that we are not trying to go ahead and serve our local department of children's services. Um, we have put out requests to our community through Facebook and asked for help with masks and Lysol, uh, hand sanitizer, and people have really showed up in a big way. Um, it really just touches my heart when people will pull from their own stores in their home or their business, and they maybe only have three bottles of Lysol, but they share two of them with us, you know, it just makes me want to cry to see the way people have just shared. And, um, you know, the, the CPS workers, the child protective services workers are still going into homes. They're still investigating, making removals or helping support the families that are trying to help them stay together. Um, and so just doing little things like that, um, by supporting the workers and keeping them safe and, um, you know, just kind of helping them do their job right now. I feel like that's really, really valuable. Uh, we're also um, kind of trying to come alongside the Department of Children's Services and bless the families right now. Um, so we've asked them to give us a list of their foster families and some of the families that they're trying to keep together, um, any that have been affected by COVID. Um, and we are asking, um, like who needs, um, a bag that says, love, you're not alone. And the bag is full of resources for the family, things like, um, gift cards for gas and groceries, um, and, you know, little activities for, you know, their children, depending on their age and, um, interests like maybe craft supplies. So, um, we have been gathering our list of volunteers that want to help with that. Um, and once again, you can email me if you would like to be part of something tangible right now, uh, which has been hard with all the virtual meetings and, you know, everything, but, um, we're going to be able to do it in a way that is, is safe, but in a way that shows, um, not only our love for, for DCS, but also our love for all the families that have been loving on these children. That's so good. That's so good. I saw that on the Facebook page, uh, that you guys had a list of things that you were collecting and mm -hmm. how people could get involved now. Well, that's great. Well, Ashley, thank you again for just taking time and uh, sharing a little bit of your heart and the story of what's happening here. And uh, we're going to be excited to just be a part of it and uh, can't wait to see what God's going to do in Knox County. Same here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Thank yeah. You. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks. We have some ways that we can respond and help even now. You can go and like their page on Facebook, share some of the things that they are doing and are in need of now. They're going and buying things for goodie bags uh, for the kids that are still coming into DCS custody right now during all of this. We are going to encourage you to contact them. Let them know you want a t-shirt, a bracelet, maybe both, and want to start helping raise awareness and stay in touch on the new opportunities as they arise. I am praying that through our giving today, we can earmark those funds to give them as a sponsor for the upcoming luncheon. I think we can do that. And I have a goal in my heart for this, but I am asking God, would you surprise me today? Would you do exceedingly more than I even thought or could even imagine right now? 
So go online to our webpage, EmmanuelAG.com, and give. Make a note during your giving or email us to let us know that it's for the Isaiah 117 house. Would you pray with me now? Father, I thank you that you have changed our lives, that you have adopted us into your family, and you continue to heal our traumatic past. And all the impacts of sin, you are redeeming those things now. Lord, we want to respond to those that are uh, helpless today. You are helping us help them. And I thank you that you are moving our hearts to join what you are doing, to love the kids in our city during some really hard times in their lives. And I thank you, Lord, that that for the faithful people at Emmanuel who have helped us take care of families during quarantine, who needed meals, who needed to be visited in the hospital, who continue to celebrate with weddings, who needed to get out of the country as missionaries uh, were being kicked out by their governments and were forcing them home. And I thank you that our church was able to step up in big ways to all of these things and so much more because they have responded to being the people of God who you have called us to be and to share our lives in the good news of your love with everyone. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for your love for us. Amen and amen.